This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wild Card Weekend is over, the divisional round is set, and there is a ton of NFL news to get to. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, a part of the Fansided Podcasting Network. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ryland underscore Styles. Let me lay out this show for you, and also this entire week for you, at the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Today's show, we're going to recap Wild Card Weekend. We're going to do a, a light preview of the, of the divisional rounds. That's going to be today. Tomorrow, we'll go really heavy into the Chiefs-Texans matchup. We are going to do our full normal preview tomorrow. And then on Thursday, we'll preview the entire divisional round like we did last week. Or we also go back and, and, and maybe make some changes to the Chiefs preview but also go through each and every game and give them a dedicated preview also. On today's show, of course, recapping Wildcard Weekend, touching on the Chiefs-Texans matchup, and also talking about some NFL news. Almost every coaching vacancy has been filled now, so that there's a lot to discuss there. Tua Tagovailoa has made his decision for the NFL draft, but first, let's talk about Wildcard Weekend. This really was a good weekend of football. Now, the games were not the best. This was not Chiefs-Rams of last year in whatever week that was in Mexico City, or it should have been there. It was in L.A. This was not a game of that caliber. None of these games were. But they were all close. They all had stuff that was memorable. You're, You're going to remember the Tom Brady pick six. You're going to remember... The Josh Allen lateral for no reason out of bounds. You're going to remember the Deshaun Watson spinorama where he gets out of two defenders who are trying to sack him. You're going to remember the coin flip, the Kirk Cousins throw to Adam Thielen, the Kirk Cousins fade route to Kyle Rudolph who, did he push off, did he not push off. You're going to remember Josh McCowan laying it all out on the line against the Seahawks. That's really the one game, the Eagles-Seahawks game, that wasn't... Entertaining. I mean, as soon as Carson Wentz went down, then you kind of knew from then on, okay, this game's a wrap. But Josh McCowan did, you know, try his best. Obviously, he's going to try his best. But he did put out a good performance. I mean, to come off the bench cold, not playing at 42 years old, never playing in the playoffs before in your entire career, to to be able to, to play with that much moxie was impressive. 
Let's start with Texans at Bills. Excuse me, Bills at Texans. The Bills lost in overtime 22-19. This game, I think, was the best game of the weekend because it just felt like football drugs. Like, every time you turned around, something crazy happened. If, if it wasn't the broadcast crew being just god-awful, if it wasn't Booger McFarlane drawing obscene gestures on your TV, it was Josh Allen lateraling the football. It was Josh Allen catching a touchdown. It was Josh Allen throwing a a absolute bomb to a fullback. I mean, this game had it all. And then Deshaun Watson in the second half finally woke up and started making Deshaun Watson-level plays. And then J.J. Watt, of course. In the first half, he was dead silent. You, you thought that you know he kind of rushed back. You thought he wasn't himself. Cody Ford, the rookie offensive tackle from Oklahoma, really had his number in the first half. And then in the second half, he made two big plays. Good for him. This game was fun because it felt like both teams wanted to lose. Both teams tried their best to give it away. And quickly here, since we all know it's the Chiefs-Texans, I'll go ahead and say this. I'm not going to, this isn't a spoiler alert, so I'll just go ahead and say it now. That game showed why I'm not afraid of either team. Because if you're the Texans, you cannot fall asleep for two and a half quarters Get booed off the field at home in the playoffs. Punt in enemy territory on 4th and 2, 4th and 3. Take delay of games just so you can punt and feel more comfortable punting. You cannot do that against the Chiefs in Arrowhead in the divisional round and win the football game. And I don't believe that they can play a full game. I don't believe that they can play at a high level. I think for the Chiefs to lose on Sunday, they will need to beat themselves. And we've seen them do that before. I'm not saying it's impossible for the Chiefs to lose. We've seen them beat themselves before. We've seen them invent ways to lose before. We've seen them do it, especially in the playoffs. But head-to-head, the Texans do not do a single thing better than the Chiefs. You can say they run the ball better. I don't, I don't think so. I think both running games are extremely inconsistent. I think Chiefs fans who feel that way watched the the Texans run all over the Chiefs in the first matchup without Chris Jones and thought that's what they were the entire season. No, the entire season, they were a streaky bunch. In this game on Saturday, Deshaun Watson was their leading rusher with 50-something yards. Carlos Hyde had 40. If Damian Williams can come to play and give you 75 and 80 yards, Patrick Mahomes is good for a couple scrambles. Let's just put that down at 20 yards. And then whatever you get from LaShawn McCoy or any other running back, I think that's enough to edge out the Texans in the run in the, in the rushing category. Because for some reason, Bill O'Brien does not want to utilize Deshaun Watson's legs enough. So then if we take away the run game, or even if we say it's even, or even if we say the Texans have a slight advantage, no matter how you want to slice this, then the Texans have no other no other edge over the Chiefs. The Chiefs have the better coach, the better coaching staff, the better quarterback, the better wide receivers, the better tight end, the better offensive line, the better defensive line. Even with J.J. Watt, their defensive line for the Chiefs, 
that's a better secondary. And I'd say the linebacking core maybe is, is the one place you can call it a toss-up, but I take the Chiefs again as the overall body of work. The Chiefs have a better defense, a better offense, a better coaching staff. Better special teams. The Texans are throwing the ball in the end zone. How about you take a knee? That's a play that's really controversial. And I saw a lot of people saying, well, it's just common sense. Why would you even leave it up to chance? How hard is it to field the kickoff for the Texans and take a knee? The way we've done it for a hundred years. This is NFL 100. For a hundred years, you either... Do not catch the football in the end zone. Let it bounce, and it's a touchback. You can even call a fair catch in the end zone, and it's a touchback. What you cannot do is catch the football, don't take a knee, and then throw the football. That's the one thing you can't do. If you catch the football, take a knee. It's not that hard, and it's worked for a 100 years. Why do we need common sense now? Because you're too lazy to take a knee. That's incredible to me that a professional athlete can feel unmotivated enough to not even take a knee. And the ref, people want to point to the ref, he clearly said, no, do not give me the ball. He couldn't outright say, no, you've got a knee, you've got a knee, you've got a knee. But he held his hand out and started waving it like, no, don't do this, don't do this. That was a stupid play that the Bills should have gotten seven more points from. And those kind of boneheaded mistakes will not be overturned by the refs every game. And the Texans make enough of them. Now in the first meeting, the Chiefs made a ton of boneheaded mistakes. They were penalized out the wazoo. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. They were having... Calls go against them in the sense of, you know, the, the, the Mahomes interception that shouldn't have been because Travis Kelsey got annihilated on a pass interference, so it should have negated the throw. Nonetheless, the Texans don't scare me, and this game didn't do anything. People want to want to act like that Deshaun Watson highlight play where he luckily spun out of two sacks is the reason that they can beat the Chiefs. Okay, if that's Chris Jones and Frank Clark, or Chris Jones and Terrell Suggs, or Frank Clark, Frank, Frank Clark and Terrell Suggs, if that's anyone on that Chiefs defensive line, even Tano Passanio, he's sacked. He's sacked. And even so, that's one play. Mahomes will get you five. He'll get you five plays that you think that way. They struggled to score 22 points. You can't do that against the Chiefs. And then you're going to say Will Fuller's coming back. Will Fuller is returning from a groin injury and playing football. Good player. Can't stay on the field. He's hurt all the time. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays five snaps on on Sunday. And if he does play the entire game, he's returning from a groin injury. I don't think that he'll be able to beat you. He might make a play or two, but I just don't see Bill O'Brien coming into Arrowhead after the Chiefs' bye week, which Andy Reid is incredible after the bye, and out-coaching Andy Reid. Because, let's face it, if we can all agree, which we all should, that the Chiefs are better at every facet of the football game, the only way the Texans can win this football game 
is if Bill O'Brien coaches circles around Andy Reid, the Hall of Fame coach. Don't think it's going to happen. Don't think it's going to happen at all. Let's move on to uh, Titans at Patriots. The Titans strolled into New England and came away with a 20-13 victory. Nice game. I mean, it was a lot of ball control, but inside the game you had a lot of coaching chess. Of course, you can have the Mike Vrabel, um, per, you know, purposeful penalties where you just keep keep taking penalties. That way, the clock continues to run. I like that move. It's a move that Bill Belichick did against the Jets earlier this year, and then in the pe- in the post game press conference was all cocky and swaggering and saying, "Yeah, it's a rule that should have been fixed, but it's not fixed, so I'm going to use it." Okay, you just told the entire NFL world how to exploit the game clock. And then when someone does it against you, you're upset about it. If Bill Belichick does not go into that press conference against the Jets and and talk for more than he's ever talked his entire coaching career at a press conference about that play, about that ability to run time off the clock, nobody even realizes that he did it. It's forgotten about. It's not at the forefront of Mike Vrabel's mind. It was a fun play, fun sequence. And then, Bill Belichick, what I talked about last week, on almost every show last week, and I also talked about it on the Patriots recap, you know, the Chiefs Patriots recap. Bill Belichick did not have a good season this year coaching. We can run down the mistakes he made against the Chiefs, against the Titans in a game that you know that you're going to need a touchdown. You can't settle for field goals. On fourth and one, he runs the ball and tosses the ball three straight times, and then on fourth and one, kicks the field goal. When all you need to do is snap the ball to Tom Brady and have him lay over the goal line. He made a lot of other mistakes besides that, but Bill Belichick is not the same coach he once was. And this could just be an off year. As crazy as that sounds, coaches can... Have off years, you know, trying to figure out what to do with their personnel. A lot of turnover in New England. A lot of injuries in New England. A lot of unforeseen circumstances in New England. How does this game look if Antonio Brown is able to keep himself in check and and play football? How does this game look? How does this game look if Julian Elman catches that slant route, which he never drops in his entire career, but he dropped it on Saturday? Interesting game. Derrick Henry, of course, looked good. Ryan Tannehill did not. I mean, 72 yards. It was really just a Derrick Henry show, which is fine. That's how they're going to win. But I think that that matchup, Titans-Ravens on Saturday, is going to be the fastest game in NFL history. I think that those two teams running the ball at each other, it's going to make for a a game that lasts two hours. It's going to make for a game that probably lasts, you know, shorter than the college game I have to go cover for basketball. The college basketball game I have to go cover on Saturday is probably going to take longer than the entire Titans-Ravens game. I'll let you know on that one. Moving over to Sunday, the Vikings beat the Saints in overtime. Kirk Cousins went 19 for 31, 242 yards, and a touchdown. The game-winning touchdown, by the way. Again, another surprising result here. And this is why... 
getting that free win, which is what the wild card bio is, it's a free win. You're going to get to advance through that stage without having to do anything. Is so huge. Because I picked the Saints to go to the Super Bowl. And there's a ton of people who did. A ton of people picked the Saints to go to the Super Bowl. Now Jacob, who was with me to preview the playoffs, picked the, picked the Packers. Probably a smarter play to pick somebody who didn't have to play the first weekend. That way that you're at least going to be alive until right before the conference championship. But the Saints are a Super Bowl-ready team. And yet, for the third straight year, they get bounced too soon. I'm not sure why Sean Payton and Drew Brees get a free pass for that. Now, that doesn't mean Sean Payton should be fired. That doesn't mean Drew Brees should be cut. But we also should talk about it. I mean, they've disappointed in three straight seasons with a Super Bowl-made team. Same thing can be said for Andy Reid, though. Uh, You know, in his time in Philadelphia, which eventually got him out. The Chiefs... On the other hand, have had disappointing playoff losses, of course. You blow the game to the Colts. The self-pass touchdown last year. But they've never been ready to win a Super Bowl. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with Alex Smith and the defenses he had in his tenure. For Alex Smith to win a Super Bowl, you need the Joe Flacco defense. And then last year, you could have won a Super Bowl. I think if D. Ford lines up onside, you win the Super Bowl. However, that was not a Super Bowl-ready team. That was a Super Super Bowl-ready offense. The Saints team has been ready to win a Super Bowl, and they just can't get over that hump. Now let's talk about, of course, the pass interference play. I don't think that it should have been called. I think that if this was a, let's say, Week 9 football game, Let's even say it's week nine on prime time. I don't think people are as outraged as they are right now. I don't think people are calling for the NFL to make rule changes or to explain themselves if this is week nine. And so if we're not going to call it in week nine, let's not change the the measuring stick in the playoffs. It's either pass interference all the time or it's pass interference at no point. And both parties were jockeying for position. Now, when the replay came out, I did I did say, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, they're going to overturn this. That's pass interference. So, I think it was pass interference. But consistently throughout the season, we've seen that it's not going to be called that way. And so, I'm glad that they didn't change it this time. Because if you're not going to change it in week 9, then don't change it now. Be consistent. That's what we want, is consistency. Now let's talk about Kirk Cousins. I ripped him last week. I'm going to rip him again whenever we preview his matchup You know, coming up against the 49ers. He's not a good quarterback. He didn't have a good game. His wide receivers are still yelling at him on the sidelines. Stephon Diggs. 19 for 31, 242 yards and a touchdown in, in, in an overtime game. That's what he can give you. For once in his life, he did come through. He had that lucky pass that Thielen somehow caught. Great job by Adam Thielen. You know, honestly and truthfully, we gave a lot of credit to Kirk Cousins in that spot. But that was a great catch from Adam Thielen. And then somehow a fade route worked. 
I'm against fade routes in the end zone. Most people are. Somehow it worked. And and again, I'll give him credit. He 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 recognized that mismatch immediately. You can see it if you go back and watch that play. He looked over and saw, okay, this actually worked. We put out a formation that isolates Kyle Rudolph, and they did not adjust. The Saints did not adjust and put a taller guy out there. He's on a cornerback. Let's go. Let's throw this fade out right now. So credit to him. But two good plays does not a game make. That was not a good game from Kirk Cousins. It was a managed game. Kirk Cousins did a great job managing the game. But that's not what you paid him to do. Case Keenum wins that football game. Alex Smith wins that football game. You paid Kirk Cousins to be more than that. And it was then the wrong decision and is now the wrong decision. Seahawks beat the Eagles 17-9. Not much to say about this game. I think that the Seahawks are too beat up to, to do anything in the playoffs. I think that we saw that on Sunday, given the fact that they were so injured. I mean, the offensive line could not block anyone on that Eagles front, and now you go to Green Bay with two of the best sackers in football, two of the best pass rushers in football. It's going to be tough. Eagles, tough break for Carson Wentz. He gets hurt again. You just hate to see that for a guy. I mean, that, that play... I don't think is avoidable. Now, some of Carson's injuries can or could have been avoided. Sometimes he does run recklessly. And the act of diving forward was kind of reckless, I guess you could say. But let's just hypothetically say he could have. Let's take away what actually happened. Let's take away how he actually got hurt. Let's say he could have slid baseball style. The way you teach quarterbacks to slide. That does not prevent this injury. Jadavion Clowney came and fell on him helmet to helmet whenever he was clearly down. So if no matter if he's sliding or if he's falling forward, the result stays the same. The result doesn't change. So this is an injury that's just bad luck. It's not Carson's fault. I haven't been able to see the entire angle of the Javion Clowney situation. It seems like a dirty hit because why was he why was he lunging at him full speed whenever Carson was down? I don't think that Clowney meant to go helmet to helmet. I think Clowney just meant to get a shot on him. And by that I mean like fall on him, you know, give you know, fall on his shoulder fall on his back, you know, give him something to think about. But I don't think that he tried to do helmet to on purpose. But was he pushed? I don't know. I haven't seen that angle. Did he literally see he was going down and then just decide to jump on him? I, I, I haven't seen the angles. I haven't seen the angles to do that. Fox, uh, or no, it was NBC that didn't do a good job of changing the camera angle. It's a dirty play in the sense of he gave himself up clearly. Clearly, he gave himself up. But when did Clowney start the act? Of trying to to tackle him. So there you have it. Texans advance. Titans advance. Vikings advance. And Seahawks advance. And a lot of people. Want to act like. Mike Greenberg and Colin Cowherd are idiots for picking the Saints. Now. You can say that. 
ah, it's kind of stupid to pick the Patriots because, you know, you just picked them based on, you know, reputation. You didn't pick them based on what's actually happened this year. But this is what we say we love about football. This is what football fans say they hate about the NBA. They say football is unpredictable. Football gets drama and parody. If you want parody, this is parody. The Saints, who are a Super Bowl-made team, lose in the wildcard round. Anyone can sit up here and not make predictions and then say, oh yeah, I got them all right, which is what some people do. They don't make predictions on the front end, and then they just expect you to take your take their word for it in the back end and say, yeah, I got all those right. I put it all on the line. In terms of betting, I went one game above 500. I went I went 2-1-1. In terms of straight up, I did get all of them right. I think that, uh, except for the Patriots game, I got, I got all of them right in terms of actually picking the game straight up, forgetting the spread. Don't factor in the spread. I took the Bills on the spread, but I did pick the, t- the Texans to win the game outright. I picked the Patriots to win the game outright. I took the Titans with the spread. So that so those two games got flipped in that sense of I was right on the spread, wrong on the outright, and then right uh, wrong on the spread, right on the outright. So that's how my weekend went. But this is what parity is. I mean, this is why, again, this is why we say we hate the NBA. If, if you do, I love the NBA. I think the NBA is the most entertaining sport. But you guys always say, oh, well, it's always going to be the, the Warriors and Cavs. Okay, well, then we can't praise people for getting that right and then criticize people for getting the NFL right. The NFL and baseball are impossible to get 100% right. They're impossible. Just look at Kansas City. Should they have beaten the Colts in that game? Yes. Should they have beaten the, the Titans in that playoff game? Yes. Should they have beaten the Patriots last year? Yes. Look at the Royals. Again, we're looking at Kansas City. Look at the Royals. Should they have beaten the A's? No. Then they swept their way to the to the wild card. I mean, to the World Series in 2014. So, yeah, they should have, they should have got to the World Series. Should they have beaten the Giants? Probably not. I mean, they, they were clearly not the better team. Although they did have a shot to win, win Game 7. Obviously, if they send Gordon, anything can happen. I think he... It's probably out, but you got to at least put pressure on that defense of, of San Francisco. Something that you thrived on all year long was putting pressure on defenses. You've got to continue to do that in the biggest spot of the season. But now we get to 2015 for the Royals. Should they have beaten the Astros? No, it took a historic collapse of the Astros to win that series. Should they have beaten the Mets? Probably not. It's, I mean, they won in five, so I mean, the, the, the game-wise, the game-wise says yes. But game one was historically, you know, was a, was a great comeback. Game five had Eric Hosmer dashing home on a ground ball to third base. These two sports see crazy things happen, and that's why we love them. So I, I don't... I don't begrudge Colin Cowherd or Mike Greenberg for going 0-5. 0-4, excuse me, in the Wild Card Weekend. There's a ton of reasons why you cannot like them. You can say Cowherd is conceited. You can say Cowherd is biased. You can say Cowherd... There's a lot of things to say about Cowherd. 
you can say Greenberg's not funny, but he tries to be funny. You can say Greenberg doesn't have strong opinions, but he's supposed to be an opinion giver. But what I cannot criticize someone for is getting games wrong. I think that's the silliest thing that you can really do. Because they're not paid to get things right. And, and one, one last thing on this. If you listen to the Dan Lebatar show, they have a segment where they bring in these B-list and C-list celebrities to pick NFL games. And what they do is they pick the same games as Colin Cowherd. Because every week, Colin Cowherd has a Blazing Five segment where he picks five games against the spread. And in that, in those picks, he's talking to to guys who work you know, for bet makers, odd makers. He's talking to guys who watch the film every day of their life. They sit down with Game Pass and watch the film, really getting in there and getting after it. He talks to guys who watch football religiously and for, for their careers. Because Colin Cowherd's job is not to watch football. It's to watch... All of sports. So, I mean, yes, football is the predominant sport. But he also doesn't spend as much time on it as true beat writers for NFL teams who are watching these games, all of them, in detail. So he's talking to all these guys to get information, and then he's using that information to make picks, which is logical. You should get all of the information you can. And so Dan Lebetard of ESPN Radio brings in these B-list and C-list celebrities who know absolutely nothing about football. Most of them, their football knowledge comes whenever they were a child, obviously, because they don't keep up with it anymore. And they pick games against the spread, which is pretty hard to do in the NFL. I think it's a little bit easier in college, but it's pretty hard to do in the NFL. And they routinely have the same record as Colin Cowherd this year. I think that, I think that they beat him this year. Um, for Dan Lamatard. If they didn't beat them, then they finished even. I know that they did not lose this year. I know they didn't lose last year. Uh, and I think that they ended up dropping by a game or two the year before. But my point is, it's impossible to, to pick these football games. It's impossible. The ball bounces one way or the other in all these games, and we have totally different winners. We have totally different winners. The only game that I feel comfortable with the, with the outcome is the, is the Seahawks game. I feel comfortable that the Seahawks truly won that game. If Josh Allen is a little bit smarter and the Bills keep their foot on the gas, they win that game. If the Patriots go for it in 4th and 1, they probably win that game. If Julian Elman does not drop that pass, they probably win that game. If the Saints so much as play up to half of their ability in the first half, they win that game. So I'm not going to get on here and just start talking bad about guys who get picks wrong or girls who get picks wrong. No no one getting picks wrong is going to get uh, laughed out of the building for me. Now, if you're picking in the preseason the Broncos next year, let's just say that the rosters are the same because in the NFL, rosters can turn around pretty quickly, so we don't know what the Broncos are going to look like. Let's say right now, the Broncos going to next year with the same roster as they have right now. And you're picking them to win the division? Okay, that's different. But in, in terms of game-to-game picks, especially in the playoffs, whenever these teams are all pretty even, I, don't, I can't begrudge anyone. Let's talk quickly about the divisional round again. I talked a lot about it during the Texans game, but let's just go through the basic facts right now and then tomorrow... We're going to do our full and normal preview. 
So the Chiefs host the, the Texans on Sunday at 2.05. They opened as an 8-point favorite, so the Chiefs did at home. That's been bet up to 9.5, thanks to our friends over at the Action Network. So the money in Vegas is all over the Chiefs winning this game. And the divisional round home teams are 8-0 in the last eight games against the spread. Interesting note there. Andy Reid came out and said the team is fully healthy. Obviously, besides one Thornhill, don't comment that. I saw, I've seen a lot of people do that to people who've, who've tweeted this out that, that said that Andy Reid said that. Well, what about Juan Thornhill? Okay, obviously, he's out. There's no new injuries, and anyone who can play is going to be good to go. One thing to note as we think about this Texans game, obviously, earlier in the year, the Chiefs were without Simi Watkins, Eric Fisher, Chris Jones, Eric Wiley, Anthony Hitchens, and Mahomes was banged up. He was still in that stage where... Any hit would re-aggravate that ankle. Any hit at all. And he'd be hobbling around after the first two plays. And Terry Kill played less than half the snaps. He was still easing back in from his injury. My confidence level right now is a 10 out of 10. I think that the, that the Chiefs advanced to the championship game. How will that change? I'm not sure. I think it'll come down a little bit. I think just the nature of being a Chiefs fan and all of the Heartbreak we can list off from playoff past will bring that number down, but I don't think it'll drop below 8.5-ish. I think that the confidence levels should remain high for the Chiefs in this matchup because, again, I think that the Chiefs are better in every area, in every single one. The rest of the divisional round is Titans at Ravens, Vikings at 49ers, Seahawks at Packers. So that's what all we're going to get to today. I know I teased the NFL news, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. We'll talk about the Cowboys, the Panthers, and Giants finding their head coach. We'll talk about what the Browns are going to do and also to a Tagovailoa tomorrow, as well as preview the Chiefs' first playoff game of 2020. I'm excited for this weekend. I think there's a few good games on. I think that, that Titans at Ravens will be interesting. Because, like I said last week, I want to see what that Ravens offense looks like in the playoffs. Because we got enamored with this Ravens offense last year. And whenever they took the field in the playoffs, they were a totally different offense. So I want to see what they can look like on Saturday. But again, that, that's just a different Titans defense than the one that shut down the Ravens last year. I don't think that the Titans defense is able to, to shut them down. I think that the way that the Titans win is ball control... And Derrick Henry. And I just don't know if you can beat the Ravens at their own game. We'll talk more about it later on in the week. But real quick, I think that the Chiefs have the best chance to beat the Ravens, as I've said, for the last month. Because to beat the Ravens, I think you have to get them down early and often. You've got to go up 10 points, 13 points, 14 points, 21. You've got to go down. You've got to get them down two or three possessions. And I don't think running the ball with the Titans can do that. I really don't, because I don't think they can, I think they could match them run for run, and then it just comes down to how much time is left and who gets the ball last. But I don't think that they can stop them and then get the, the additional score that forces the Ravens to kind of panic a little bit and have to throw the football. All right, that should do it. Again, tomorrow's show will be Wild Card Weekend. Uh, no, excuse me, tomorrow's show will be previewing the Chiefs-Texans. It will be... Talking NFL news, Cowboys, Panthers, Giants, Browns, and Tua. 
and also Eric Bieniemy. We've got a lot to say about Eric Bieniemy, and that's why we're not getting to the news today because I was going to, but I have too much to say about Eric Bieniemy. So that'll do it. Thank you all for joining me on the Arrowhead Addict Podcast, a part of the Fanside Podcasting Network. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can also subscribe to the Lockdown Royals Podcast, which is a new podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, which is all about your Kansas City Royals. And be good and be good to one another. We'll see you tomorrow as we preview the Chiefs and Texans. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.